This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Welcome to The Final Curtain. Ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. I'm Shirley Welsh, host of Death Cafe Dunedin, where people meet in all sorts of places to drink tea, eat cake and discuss death. In this program, we break the taboo around talking about death and hear firsthand from New Zealanders about their experiences and their perspectives. Today I'm talking to Fran, who has started using her journalistic criminal investigation skills and interest in genealogy to trace beneficiaries in a will. Fran, how did you get involved in the work that you do? Well, uh, we, my, my business partner, that is, and I, Deborah, um, both of us have a, a experience in journalism. Uh, we also were, or are, avid genealogists, and um, we've been doing a little bit of this work for around five years, I suppose, just working for lawyers that we were dealing with in our um, everyday lives as journalists. Uh, they recognised that we were quite good at tracking people down, so they... Um, employed us on an ad hoc basis to help them clear their deceased estate files that they couldn't find beneficiaries for. So, yeah, that was how we started. And then during COVID lockdown, we both thought, well, why don't we make this something more permanent? We were uh, doing enough of it as it was. And, uh, yes, yeah, so we formed a company, which is Genealogy Investigation. And... Um, now we do it on a professional basis um, and love it. It's the, the best job in the world, really. So what happens to a gift in a will if the executor of the will can't find the beneficiaries? Well, eventually it will just go to the state. So you, you'll notice on uh, the Inland Revenue Department's website um, there is a list of unclaimed monies and if you look through those, a number of those are um, listed as a state of. Um, and in those cases, it just means that the, the lawyers and the executives have not been able to trace those people that have been named in a, in a will. Hmm. So how much effort do lawyers go to to find a beneficiary? Well, look, in my experience, it, it, it varies. Um, you know, some lawyers are very, very, very keen to ensure that... Um, that the beneficiaries receive what they are entitled to. Um, and others, I'm sure everyone is really keen to make sure, but others have limited, have limited experience perhaps with, uh, you know, thinking outside the square and actually finding someone. And, you know, it can be quite hard in New Zealand with the privacy laws to actually, you know, locate someone who is living. Um, so that's what we've found is that a lot of them have been quite relieved actually that we are here now and they, they come to us and go, oh my God, I had no idea how I was going to find this person. Thank you for being here. And so, you know, that's where we come in. So when you contact beneficiaries, do you always have good news for them? No, not always, unfortunately. Um, yes, when I contact beneficiaries, um, you know, I'm saying to them, you know, congratulations, or not, not so much congratulations, but there is some money in a will for you. But on occasion, I'm the first person that's, um, that has actually contacted them and I'm having to tell them something really sad, which is, you know, that someone that they know uh, or perhaps related to had passed away. And that's not an easy thing to do. So you, 
it's it's a mixture of both good and bad news. Have you ever been able to surprise a beneficiary with the news that they've inherited a significant sum? Mm, yes, that has happened on occasion. Um, most of the time we don't know how much is in the estate. Um, we are just hired to find someone. Um, but very occasionally um, we are privy to how much is, is involved or a, a rough estimate. And yes, I have had the fortune of, of actually um, telling people that you know they're receiving some money that's actually going to be quite life-changing for them. And you know, that's, that's a nice thing. And that's one of the things that makes it a, a really nice job. <laughs> so what happens if someone dies without a will? Oh, that's... Um, oh yeah, when someone dies intestate, which is basically without a will, uh, there is a formula. And um, so basically you, your, your heirs are first off your spouse and your spouse and children if you have children. And then when you... If you have no children and your parents are still alive, it goes to split between your spouse and your parents. Um, and then if neither of those are alive, your brothers and sisters will benefit. Um, and if they're not alive, their children will. And then it gradually moves further out um, from closeness to you to your sort of more distant relatives, you know, to your grandparents and then your parents, brothers and sisters, and then their children, so your cousins. So and yeah, that's how you that's how the government works out who's entitled to what. So do you also look for beneficiaries where there is no will? Yes, we do that a lot. Um, it's uh, one of those unfortunate things actually actually people should make a will, but on a number of cases people don't like to think that they they may pass away one day, so they don't. And that then complicates things for you know those left behind. Uh, sometimes it's easy, you know, it's just the children or, you know, your spouse is left and, and that's that's fine, that's, that's easy. But then other times there is no obvious um, beneficiary and that's when we get called in. We have to, you know, go backwards to come forwards, um, you know, look at parents and then siblings and try and track those people and that's not always the easiest thing to do. In fact, I've, I've just written a blog about it, which is on our website and also on our Facebook page, which is one of the cases that we had to work with. And it was really sad. It was a young woman. She left her home one afternoon to go and run some errands. She obviously wasn't planning on dying on that day, and unfortunately she was involved in an accident and she was killed. And when whoever it was that sorted out her affairs after she died, um, they didn't know that she had a life insurance policy. And why would they expect that? Because, you know, she hadn't left the world. There was no way of them to, for them to know. Um, so, you know, eventually, oh, so many years after her death, we were called in and we had to track down her next of kin. Um, by that stage, her parents had passed away and all we had was just two first names um, and of her siblings. And you know, it took took us quite some time. We we got there in the end, and they were both living overseas, so you know, it wasn't the easiest of cases. But in the end, they they both managed to you know benefit from their sister's estate. But it took a lot longer than it should have done, simply because she hadn't left a will and hadn't left instructions. So yeah, it's really it's a really important thing to do. And I know we don't like thinking about one day we're going to pass away, but you know, it's it's inevitable. It's one hundred percent guaranteed. 
And, you know, that's why you need to have a will. And also, one of the things that would make life so much easier for everyone is if you do have a will, is to also leave a contact list and keep it up to date. So those you've named in your in your will, make sure there's, there's contacts for them there so that your executor or whoever it is that's having to sort your affairs out um, has a really good starting point for where to find someone instead of just leaving something as vague as I leave this to my my friend Marg from the book club and mm. that you know, on occasions we get things like that and it's very hard to track, you know, who who is this Marg from which book club? <laughs> it's yeah, it's not so easy. So leaving that contact list is a, a really valuable um yeah, idea and tool. In the in that instance that you describe, was it the insurance company that hired you to find her to give her uh, her relative, to find her relatives to give them the proceeds of her policy? Oh, yes, it was. It was the insurance company. They had been trying and they had not been able to locate um, her next of kin. And it was, you know, it's not for lack of lack of trying. It was just um, they, they just couldn't locate them. And it was getting to the point where it would have ended up with the state. And, you know, again, that's unfortunate because, you know, those two siblings you know, were entitled to that money. And you know, had it, had it have gone to the state, it would have been, you know, somewhat complex for them to actually get that money back again. If you manage to find one child in a family where all of the children are beneficiaries, are they usually able to put you in touch with their siblings? So at least once you found one, you found them all. Well, most of the time, yes, that happens. Um, unfortunately. Um, families are quite disparate in some cases and they, you know, there are times where we find one and they will say, oh, well, I have no idea where my brother is. I haven't seen him for, gosh, 20 years. We haven't spoken and, no, sorry, I can't help you. you were, last I heard, he was in Petoni and you have to go looking for them as well. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, an unfortunate situation where families just... Yeah, don't keep in touch. So we've spoken about the situation where you've had to look for beneficiaries under a will, but what about a situation where the executor can't be found? Have you had that? Actually, we have. It's it's not a common occurrence. Uh, normally, you know, an executor is someone that's reasonably close to the person that has passed away. Um, but yeah, we have just recently had to find an executor. Um, the the deceased had named a friend as the executor, had written the will some twenty years ago, and, and they had just parted ways. Um, they'd moved apart from each other, and they were no longer as close. And then when it actually came to you know, finding the executor, so that the estate could be um, divided up and settled the executor was nowhere to be found and fortunately they had actually named, or he had named a a lawyer as a second executor and they hired us to uh, track down this guy um, he, he had moved away and we did eventually find him um, after a day or two of digging away at various options and uh, he was contacted and he was more than happy to be 
the executor. He just had no idea his friend had passed away. So I think that's another important point is if you do have a friend as an executor rather than a lawyer uh, or a family member, um, make sure you keep in touch with them or make sure you have your contact details for them because they are just as important as the beneficiaries. And without the executor, it becomes another complicated process of having to go to the to the High Court to to um, stipulate that you can't find the executor and, and a new one needs to be named or somebody else needs to take over that role. So we've spoken about you finding people after someone has died who are beneficiaries under will. But what about the situation where someone hasn't yet died? Have they ever approached you and said, I'd like to leave something to someone in my will, but I don't know where they are, and I'd like you to find them before I die so I can indicate where they are and make sure they get what I'm leaving them? No, it's not something that we have had happen yet, Um, but I'm not discounting that that will happen in future, won't happen in future. Part of the other things that we do uh, at Genealogy Investigations is we help people reconnect with family, uh, especially if you've lost a a sibling or um, one of the biggest parts of our jobs is to help um, find birth parents um, through the use of DNA. I I can't discount that some of those people may in the future end up in those wills. Um, So, yeah. It's not something we would say no to doing. It sounds like a really fun thing to do. It's actually probably better that people reconnect um, before death rather than after someone has passed away. Now, without revealing too many trade secrets, can you give us some idea of how you find people? Mm, it's a tough one. It, uh, every case is different. Um, you know, for example, we might use uh, social media. That's that will work for us on some occasions, but then it won't work on other occasions. And, and you'll find yourself in you know, places like archives and the National Library pouring over old records. You know, there is no magic formula, and you know, I wish I wish there was, because our jobs would be so much easier. Um, as I said, you know, everyone is different, and sometimes you, you find the answer almost immediately, and then other times it will take you hours and hours. And it's, it can be just one simple thing. Um, you know, for example, someone may mention, oh, yes, uh, I know this person was a member of a golf club and he was a huge golf fan. And so if you have a kind of an idea where they are, then it may just involve sitting down and ringing all the golf clubs and saying, I'm wondering if you can help me. I'm trying to locate this person. And, you know, they may or may not tell you that they can... They have a contact for them. So it's very different. Every case is different. So I imagine that social media is very helpful, but are there instances when it's not very helpful? Oh, look, the number of times you send a message to somebody on Facebook who you think might be the right person and you just really want them to confirm and just to say to you, yes, um, that person uh, is my uncle or this person is not my uncle or no, I'm not related to the family or I am related to the family. And you send a message out and you know, only, only in a handful of cases will they actually come back to you. 
Um, and I think, you know, first off, um, people don't like to respond to messages on social media because you could be anybody. Um, and secondly, they don't often see that they've got a message there. And, you know, it might be two months later and you'll get a message back going, oh, I've just noticed this message that you sent me two months ago. So, <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, as I said, you know, it can be a useful tool, but in other occasions, it just it's frustrating because you don't you don't hear back from anyone. I'd also imagine for some elderly people, they don't use social media much, and therefore you wouldn't f- find them or their friends on it. No, you're right, and yeah, a lot of people um, don't use social media, um, and it, it's very yeah, trend-driven, I guess. I, if I could look at the situation now, I would say that people in their um, mid-20s to maybe 50s, mid-50s would be users of Facebook, but anyone younger than that would be, I think it was so old-fashioned that they wouldn't be seen on that platform at all in case someone saw them there. Um, and a lot of older people don't, don't use social media. Um, they still have landline phones and in some cases still correspond by um, by old-fashioned post with stamps on it and things like that. Now we're also constantly being warned about scams and I would mm-hmm. imagine if somebody contacted you and said, hey, you're the beneficiary of an estate and a relative of yours has left you money, contact me they might be extremely dubious that this is uh-huh. a scam and it's not authentic. Do you have that response? I know. That happens to us quite a bit as well. Um, and it's really a matter of, of putting forward your best foot in the first instance, shall we say. You, you need to say, hi, I am this person. Here is the link to our website so that you can see we are genuine. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that scam artists don't create their own website, um, but that's always, you know, an advantage. They can see our photographs on there and they can see what we do and testimonies from customers, things like that. Um, but, yeah, there are the odd occasion where people will not respond because they think you are a scam and you have to find another way of contacting them. Um and, yeah, it's an unfortunate situation. Life has got like that. We don't trust people because um, there are those out there that want to rip you off as fast as they possibly can. Uh, so, yeah, but by giving them uh, giving them as much information as we can um, in the very first message when we reach out, um, I think that puts a lot of people at ease because, you know, we wouldn't know this information if we had just randomly picked your name out of a phone book or off Facebook, for example. So, hmm. But I, I wish there was a, a magic way around that one. <laughs> Honestly, we are genuinely nice people and we're not trying to rip you off. Now, have you noticed a change in the extent to which people keep in contact with friends and relatives over the, the sort of five years that you've done this? Uh, yeah, there has been a, there has been a, a bit of a change. Um, things, well, it's almost it's almost gone both ways. I've noticed that there are um, more families that are not in contact with each other, and yet there are also with things like Facebook and social media, um, people are 
keeping more closely in contact. And obviously over the last few years with, with the advent of DNA and the popularity of genealogy, I guess more people are doing their family histories and they're, you know, and actually contacting their relatives. And for for us, if we're trying to track a beneficiary and we strike another genealogist, it's like striking gold because they usually know everyone in the family and they have contact details for most of them, which is great. But then, yeah, there is also, I think, a, a, a greater number of families that are not keeping in touch anymore. I think we just get busy and we just forget to. So, Have you ever been unable to find someone? Only on one occasion so far, and I'm knocking wood. <laughs> it's going to happen again, but I'm hoping it doesn't happen for a while. Um, yeah, we we have had one fail, but we did actually reach reach him and um, send a message to him, but he didn't want to be contacted, he didn't want to know anything about it, and he simply didn't respond. So we handed that back to our client, back to the lawyer, and left it in their hands to, to make contact. And as far as I know, he hasn't yet, but... You never know, he might. <laughs> but everyone has their own reasons for not wanting to be in touch. So Fran, over the course of our conversation, you've given a number of tips, and I'd ask you just to succinctly repeat them. So the first would be, one, make a will. Make a will, absolutely make a will. Make it a sensible will as well. You know, think hard about, yes, you may know exactly what it is that you're wanting to do with your your stuff, your estate, after you die. But remember that the person that's reading that document won't be in your head, won't know exactly what you intended to happen. So be really specific. You know, if you are wanting to leave your, um, you know, your engagement ring, for example, to one of your granddaughters, make sure you describe that ring very carefully because it, it could be that you've got three rings that look quite similar and then that's going to end up in a possibly a, you know, a cat fight amongst granddaughters who are like well that's the one I want and, and that's not what grandma said you wanted me, she wanted me to have um, also um, keep it up to date so you know, as I said there's no point leaving a, a, your great aunt um, the gold leaf tea set if she predeceased you by 10 years um, you know, if, if someone that you've left an item to or some money to and a will passes away, then update your will. Um, and, yeah, keep a contact list with your will and with your important papers. Apparently don't staple it to the will because then it looks like something has been removed, but just keep it with it or, you know, nearby it in your important papers. And keep that up to date. So, you know, if somebody moves house, or gets married, um, you know, change that contact information so it's easy for people to find, um, you know, those people that you want to give your your property to. That sounds like very sage advice. Fran, thank you so much for talking to me. And That's thank you too fine. for reminding us of very simple things we can do to ensure that what we leave in our will and what we've acquired over a lifetime of effort goes to the people we actually want to receive it. Yes, and not to the state, which is unfortunately what happens in far too many occasions. Thanks. You've been listening to The Final Curtain, ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. 
podcasts from this series are available online at oar.org.nz and from the accessmedia.nz app. At Death Cafe Dunedin, the conversation continues. You can join that conversation by listening to other New Zealanders tell their stories about death and, if you want to, by sharing yours. Look for Death Cafe Dunedin on Facebook for updates and meeting times. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.